0: When the Commonwealth Bank was hauled before a Royal Commission back in 2018, it had already tried every trick in the book to try and discredit its critics. From collecting dirt files to harassing journalists, it did everything it could to try and stop the truth about how it was treating its customers from getting out. But thanks to a few dogged former employees, the bank's practices were exposed. But whistleblowers who reveal the truth have no better protection today than they did then. Today, the reporter behind the story, investigative journalist Adele Ferguson, on how the Commonwealth Bank was caught out and why there are mounting calls for whistleblower laws to be strengthened. Adele, to understand this story and the lengths the Commonwealth Bank went to to cover up its then business practices, we need first to go back to the 90s when the Commonwealth Bank was being privatised.
1: That's absolutely right. The focus really shifted to putting profit before people. So customers were no longer seen as customers. They were seen as walking sales targets.
0: And the bank was sort of selling bundle deals. So deposit your money here and why don't you also consider an investment fund or why not buy some life insurance while you're here? Yeah,
1: that's exactly right. It was no longer just going in to to lodge a deposit or take out a loan, they were coming up with exotic products and they were essentially becoming a sales yard and they were turning their bank tellers into an army that were just flogging products and at the other end of it, the customers were the patsies.
0: Right, and the customers were investing lots of money but then we fast forward to 2008 and the global financial crisis hits and it hits really hard.
1: Yes, so all those risky products that the financial advisors were putting customers into, the ones that were paying them big fat commissions, these are bank products, started to unravel. So you had, you know, just normal mum and dads who'd gone into the bank with their life savings. They'd been put into these high risk products, not knowing that they were high risk, thinking that, you know, the bank is safe. And then all hell. with the global
0: financial crisis. Yeah, and a lot of customers lost all their savings. They were just wiped out. And this, Adele, is when some employees at the Commonwealth Bank could no longer remain silent.
1: So it's now 2013. So what had happened was Jeff Morris was a financial planner with the Commonwealth Bank. He'd seen all of these customers come in during the financial crisis and they were devastated. He felt really disturbed nothing was happening. You know, years are going by. The regulator is doing nothing. They were employed as salesmen and the training that they received, the qualifications they had were a joke. And it's been said before that in fact, it was much more difficult to qualify as a hairdresser than as a financial planner. I mean, what a ludicrous situation that is. So he rings up Senator John Williams, the National Party senator, and asks him, can he help? John Williams puts him in touch with me. Hi there, John Williams calling. Look, I've been talking to a whistleblower at the Commonwealth Bank. There's a big story here, big issue. Can you give me a call when you're, you're available, please? Thank you. Bye. And I write the story. And then comes June 2013, the story appears on the front page of the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age. And I'm getting hundreds and hundreds of emails coming in from other victims and from former staff at the Commonwealth Bank. And then a phone rings. And who's
0: on the line?
1: It's an operative from CBA. And they're really, really unhappy He's yelling at me. We go into a conference room. I put him on speakerphone with my colleague, Chris Fertilago, who'd worked on the story with me.
0: This person was being very pushy, quite aggressive. He had his spiel that they basically, there were things that we didn't know that we needed to know.
1: He's essentially telling us, don't trust Jeff Morris. He's mentally unstable and we've got a dirt file as high as the ceiling.
0: And he suggested that it was extraordinarily deep and lengthy, and there was all sorts of kind of malfeasance that he could point to. So basically the bank's trying to kill off
1: the story. No question that that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to undermine the whistleblower saying he had mental issues. What's happening is the first story came out. I ended up writing so many stories because so many people are coming forward. The floodgates opened. And so every time a story comes out, they're ringing up, not my boss, but my boss's boss, Sean Elmer.
0: I'm not just talking senior management. I'm talking their media relations people. And it used to really frustrate me because they'd just be complaining about you.
1: They called him many, many times. He said he was getting calls every week. Mm -hmm. They're now trying to undermine me and they're saying, you know, I've been taken down the wrong path and that they doubted I was actually being honest. Then Sean Alma says they actually had my private emails between myself and sources and they were trying to use that and twist it to say I wasn't honest. What really amazed me is that they had your private correspondence It was almost like someone leaking information to the Commonwealth Bank from our side of the fence. Which was, you know, mind-blowing to me because all I was ever trying to do was get the truth out about what was really going on and how they were treating their customers.
0: Mm, It's incredible. But you kept your reporting up and it sparks a Senate inquiry. And in 2014... That inquiry releases a report calling for a royal commission and a compensation scheme for all those people who lost all of their savings during the financial crisis. Yes, that's
1: right. I I ended up doing a Four Corners called Banking Bad, and that came out in 2014, and it had a massive impact. Inside the sales culture of the Commonwealth Bank. The emphasis is always on trying to get the maximum share of wallet out of each customer and then this report comes out calling for a royal commission into the Commonwealth Bank. The CBA launches a compensation scheme and they think that's gonna be the end of the stories. But what happens is Russell Phillips calls me. He was an assessor in their compensation scheme and he's telling me it's, it's all a sham. He says there was one case that had really stuck out for him. It was a single mother who had received a $600,000 disability payout and she'd gone to her trusted Commonwealth Bank financial planner to invest it into safe investments. She lost everything. So she's put in a compensation claim. Russell Phillips is assessing it and he's recommending she should be paid back. And his boss says, "Nope, not at all."
0: I got back from my manager's desk, and I just slammed the folder on the on my desk, and I just it was quite um, loud. I think the whole floor would have heard me. And I said, "This this scheme is a joke." And
1: he's fired, and then he tells the story in another Senate
0: inquiry. And let me guess, the Commonwealth Bank tries to discredit him too.
1: Yeah, that's right. I get a phone call just hours before the Senate inquiry is about to call him and it's from John Wacker Williams and he says, I've just had a call from the Commonwealth Bank and they're telling me that this Russell Phillips who's about to, to go up is mentally unbalanced, which wasn't true. Did you seek any help or did you have to seek any any psychological help to assist you with those pressures?
0: Yes, I met with my doctor and a psychologist to talk about anxiety.
1: How often did you do that?
0: Uh, I believe that was once or twice a week over a period of four weeks. And then your path crosses with another whistleblower, a third whistleblower from the Commonwealth Bank.
1: That's right. So it's now... um 2016, and this whistleblower, Dr Ben Coe, he exposes what's going on in their life insurance division. So at the time, Comminsure was one of the biggest life insurance companies in Australia, and he went public to say that they were denying life insurance policy claims of sick and dying people. One of them was a guy called James Kessel, who had a heart attack. He needed to be brought back with a defibrillator. So hours before Four Corners goes on air, John Williams again gets a phone call from someone at the Commonwealth Bank to say, you know the guy that's going on Four Corners tonight? He faked his heart attack and his brother faked his heart attack. So John Williams calls me and says, Adele, are you sure you've done your homework? And I said, just watch the program, John. John. The doctor brought him back with a defibrillator and his brother actually died of a heart attack, so some fake heart attack.
0: Adele, because of the whistleblowers who came forward to you and your reporting, a Royal Commission was held. The Commonwealth Bank's campaign to kill off stories had clearly failed, hadn't it? Absolutely.
1: And for the for the next year, we saw some of the country's most powerful people in banking fronted up to the Royal Commission, were publicly humiliated and had to say sorry many, many times. They had to pay billions of dollars back in compensation. Some of the CEOs ended up leaving their jobs. Many executives moved on. And all of the banks sold their conflicted financial advice and life insurance businesses. So it it had a profound impact. Mm.
0: But for the whistleblowers, the costs for them were really high as well, weren't they? They were hugely high. Jeff
1: Morris, all of them lost their jobs. All of them suffered from, you know, stresses that no one should be put under for just
0: trying to tell the truth. And, of course, there is a, a big push For the Australian government to tighten up laws around whistleblowers, isn't there now?
1: There is, because right now we've got two whistleblowers who are facing criminal prosecution. David McBride, he's facing years in prison if found guilty. He exposed uh, war crimes in Afghanistan. And there's Richard Boyle, who was the ATO whistleblower, who is also facing a criminal trial next year. And if he's found guilty, he faces many decades in jail. Some of the whistleblowers who, who now have quite a high profile, like Jeff Morris, the CBA whistleblower, him and five others joined forces and penned an open letter to the government calling on it to reform whistleblower laws. And the message that they send in this open letter is don't be a whistleblower Under the Albanese government, they're saying clean up whistleblowing. Before you speak out, there needs to be wholesale reform of whistleblowing in Australia.
0: Mm, And we know, Adele, from your reporting, how important whistleblowers are to exposing the truth and righting wrongs. So what does need to change with the laws?
1: Without whistleblowing, we wouldn't know many of the scandals that have happened in Australia, which once the light shone on them, things changed and it made Australia a better place. So what needs to change is we need to have uh, uniform whistleblower laws, we need to have a whistleblower protection agency, and we need to really go after companies that try and intimidate whistleblowers. And as a start, the government really needs to look at the flaws in the whistleblower policies that shows when two whistleblowers come forward, that they
0: can face jail. Adele Ferguson is an investigative journalist at the ABC and a former Fairfax reporter. You can hear the six part podcast series presented by Adele called The Whistleblowers on the ABC Listen app. It brings you the untold stories of ordinary Australians who helped to bring some of the biggest and dirtiest scandals to light. This episode was produced by Lara Corrigan, Bridget Fitzgerald and Anna John, who also did the mix. Our supervising producer is David Cody. I'm Sam Hawley. ABC News Daily will be back again tomorrow. To get in touch with the team, please email us on abcnewsdaily at abc.net.au. Thanks for listening.